Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Griffin Strom on the first week of August, which means preseason camp is about to begin. Thursday, the first practice of the preseason for Ohio State football. Uh, the Buckeyes will practice around 9.30 a.m. on Thursday morning for their first of 25 preseason practices at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center before the Buckeyes open their season against Notre Dame on September 3. So, I mean, we're, we are one month exactly away from the start of football season, Griffin. Yeah, are you getting excited, Dan? Got to get excited, right? We're certainly uh, we're certainly getting the the uptick in, in in media availabilities and everything like that, even on the basketball side of things as well. So it's all starting to ramp up here. It's that time of year, and preseason camp is about to start, and we'll be all over that for you guys here at Eleven Warriors for sure. We we get to watch a little bit of practice Thursday. I think at least a little bit of practice on Friday as well. So what are the biggest things you'll be watching for, Griffin? Well, you know, the, the first thing is always well, what positions Cade Sober playing, right? I mean, he could be playing <laughs> any position at this point. <laughs> no, but but honestly, just you know, if there's any changes on the on the roster, anything jumping out, any guys that are you know injured that we didn't know about. Obviously, we we kind of talked about the fact that Ryan Day said that that everyone's pretty much healthy. A couple guys might be easing back into things. We talked about a, a Lathan Ransom or somebody like that, but but most guys are expected to be back. We but we we also kind of questioned, you know, how much that would would actually be true. Usually, there's guys that are kind of taking it easier might have, you know, injury issues pop up. You know, I doubt we're going to see anything too crazy out there in terms of practice. We're not going to be seeing any, you know, live uh, 11 on 11 scrimmage reps or anything like that. But of course, I think, you know, you're always interested to see if there's anything more we can learn about that, that Jim Knowles defense, obviously in the spring game, we learned some things, but obviously not a whole lot of as they're, as they're kind of, you know, keeping those, those cards close to the chest there in the spring. So those are definitely going to be some things I'm looking at, you know, obviously looking to see, you know, if, if you can discern guys that are, that are ahead of the line, the, the starting lineups, things of that nature. Although I think, you know, some of those questions are, are already answered to a certain extent, at least so we think. Yeah. I think we're all hoping we'll get to see a full practice or two. Jerry Emig, if you're listening, if you could make that happen for us, we will Love you for it. I know last year we did get to watch one full practice during the spring. So hope or during preseason camp, excuse me. So I'm hoping that will happen again. Don't believe that will happen on Thursday, but lots of media availability is coming up. Like you mentioned, I think between Thursday and Tuesday, there are going to be four different media availabilities along with the infamous hotel check-ins. So we're going to have plenty of material to talk about next week, probably more than we do this week, to be honest, in regards to, you know, the Ohio State football team that's going to be taking the field this year, because, you know, we already talked a lot about Big Ten media days last week and what we learned there in Indianapolis, but certainly going to be very interesting to see how things unfold over the next few weeks leading up to the season. I feel like there's not, you know, it's kind of like we talked about Big Ten Media Days a couple weeks ago. Like, there's not that, like, super obvious camp storyline this year. Like, I mean, obviously last year everybody's focused on, like, is CJ going to lock down the starting job and uh, Quinn Ewers is coming in and all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like there's not that one, like, super obvious, like, camp storyline beyond just, like, Notre Dame's coming up and the defense has got to be better. Like, we've talked a lot about that. There's going to be a ton of talk about that 
over the next month, I'm sure. But, you know, in terms of like position battles, like it does feel like for the most part, the, the starting lineup seems to be pretty solid. Now, there can always be surprises. You know, I think back to last year where, you know, I think it was a week or so into preseason camp, Ohio State decided it's going to move. Nicholas Petit Frere to left tackle and Thayer Munford to left guard. And that was something that was unforeseen going into the start of camp. So there's always surprises, and there probably will be more surprises this year. It does feel right now like there's a pretty general consensus about who the starters, or at least like who the main players are going to be at each position. But are there any position battles, Griffin, that you know you really are going to be keeping an eye on here as we get to watch these practices? I think defensively, the the situation at Bandit is still kind of an interesting one with with Proctor and Court Williams. Of course, you know I I do think that both of those guys are going to end up starting games there, just depending on on what offense Ohio State's going up against. Obviously, Court Williams being a bigger body, potentially a guy that can can play better in the the run game and, and things of that nature. Proctor, obviously, maybe a little a little bit better in coverage, uh, potentially a faster guy at that position as well. I think that'll be an interesting, you know, situation to watch for sure. I think also, you know, at, at wide receiver, you know, a, a lot of people think that, you know, Emeka Abuka is going to become a starter this year. But, you know, Julian Fleming, it's always the the X factor with him. Is, is he going to show that he is a true, you know, five-star talent? After all, we haven't seen much of that from him to this point, but is he going to be able to to maintain a starting job there entering year three for him with obviously Abuka having less experience so far. And, and there are a couple other ones as well, Dan, but I'll save some for you. Which ones are you looking at in terms of position battles? Yeah, I think defensive end is going to be interesting because, you know, we know Zach Harrison, a returning starter. You know, Ryan Day seems excited about having Tyler Friday come back as a veteran in that group, but You've also got Jack Sawyer and JT Tuomolawau, who I think everybody's really excited to see what they can become in their second year at Ohio State. So, you know, again, it's kind of like you talked about the safeties. We know Larry Johnson likes to rotate a lot in that defensive line. So most likely all four of those guys and Javante Jean-Baptiste as well, most likely all five of those guys are going to start games at some point this year. But who are going to be the guys, you know, especially in that first game against Notre Dame where you really need those best players on the field? Who are going to be the guys that play the majority of a snap? Are they going to lean toward the veterans and Zach Harrison, Tyler Friday, Javante Jean-Baptiste, or are Sawyer and Tuomolowau really going to emerge as the top two guys at that position? Don't know how much we'll really get an idea for that in camp, but we may get some hints along the way. You know, certainly wide receiver, like you mentioned, is another one I'm interested in, you know, we, we hear the hype about Julian Fleming, but it seems like there's always some kind of setback. So, I mean, number one, just seeing that he's fully healthy and out there is really important in preseason camp. And then number two, you know, can he beat out a Mecca Buka for a starting job? Or is he going to kind of be that fourth man in the receiver rotation? First guy off the bench at that position. I don't know how much it will really matter in terms of snaps for those guys, but it's still something to watch there with. You know, I think Marvin Harrison having a starting job locked down along with Jack and Smith and Jigba, you know, who's going to be that third guy in the receiver lineup is going to be interesting. And then, you know, tight end as well. I mean, you jokingly mentioned Cade Stover, but, you know, it is going to be interesting to see how are they, again, we might not see that many of actual team reps to get an idea of 
who's first team, who's second team and whatnot. But, you know, they've got four guys there. You know, Cade Stover spent part of a spring at tight end. Mitch Rossi was sidelined this spring. Joe Royer and G. Scott both seem to make strides this spring. Now, you know, how do they mix things up between all, all of those guys? How do they split up reps? And how is that depth chart at that position ultimately going to look going into the first game of a season? Because they all bring a little something different to the table. And I'm still not sure exactly what that's going to look like in terms of playing time at that position. I'm pretty confident Kate Stover is going to play a lot as an, an inline blocker. I think Mitch Rossi is going to have a role that's probably going to continue to have him as a role player. Where exactly Royer and Scott might fit into that equation is something that I'm very interested in and we'll be looking for any hints we can get on that during camp. Yeah, and I think another huge thing about, you know, the, the things we'll be looking at in that, that first camp session for sure is is just seeing the the summer enrollee guys, right? Because we obviously didn't have a chance to see those guys in the spring. I think, you know, it, it can be a little bit easy once you go through the the, the spring and everything and, and see all those guys in the early enrollees to, Forget that, you know, there, there's a bunch of other guys that are, you know, coming in now and we'll get to see a guy like Sonny Styles running around out there and, and see what those guys can do. I know Ryan Day kind of likes to say, I've heard him say it a few times now that like when, when guys are coming in, like those early enrollees really do get a big step up on maybe some of the, the summer enrollees. But at the same time, you never know if some guys could be game ready a lot faster than others. So seeing those guys for the first time is, is definitely going to be something that we're keeping an eye on as well there. Yeah, I thought it was kind of telling, even though he didn't really want to say much about it when I asked him if any of the summer enrollees were standing out, that his comment ultimately went back to, I think those guys in the spring have a leg up on the guys who came in this summer, which tells me that we probably shouldn't expect to see any of the summer enrollees play a ton this year, at least not early in the year. I mean, I think in general, kind of for that freshman class, I don't know if there's anybody that I really expect is going to play a major role for Ohio State this season. Again, that'll be something to keep an eye on in camp is, you know, is one of those freshmen, you know, really surging up the depth chart, getting a lot of first team reps and whatever we're able to see. I mean, you know, it certainly sounds like Kai Stokes has made a push, but, you know, are there going to be reps available for him at safety? Same goes for Caden Curry at defensive end. Those seem to be kind of the two guys that have the most momentum, but you know, a CJ Hicks, can he, you know, can, can he kind of make a move there? You know, a Gabe Powers, you know, even, you know, you know, guys who, you know, transferred in. I mean, we know that, you know, Tanner McAllister is a guy who is probably going to be a starter at that nickel safety position. But, you know, what about a Chip Trey and him? Where is he going to factor in at linebacker? CJ Stroud uh, last week said that Chip has been a quote unquote monster. So can, can, can Chip be a guy who factors in at that linebacker position? It's always interesting to watch some of those guys because we really haven't seen them in game action for Ohio State. We're really only going off what we've seen in practice. And so, you know, I think those will be some guys that certainly I'll be trying to keep an eye on, as well as some of those guys that we didn't see in the spring. You know, you mentioned Leif and Ransom before. You know, Josh Fryer is a really important guy for offensive line depth. So to see where is he lining up and how is he looking is going to be important on that offensive line. Cody Simon's a guy. I, I don't think we've talked much about Cody Simon this offseason because he was out this spring. You know, I think Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg look like the front runners to start at linebacker. But, you know, Ryan Day mentioned Cody Simon's name in there as well. I think Cody Simon's still very much in that mix 
to push for a starting job there at linebacker. And so it'll be interesting to see how does he look in preseason camp? Can he, you know, potentially beat out Ivor Steele or Tommy for a starting job? And then, you know, no Ruggles will be back as well. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, it's kind of interesting what happened, you know, this offseason with Parker Lewis coming in. Now we learned last week that Parker's not eligible yet. He may not even be there for preseason camp. And so, you know, whether there, whether there really will be any actual competition for, for Noah Ruggles is, is uncertain, but certainly they're glad to have him back. And I mean, I think particularly what I'll be looking for, I mean, you know, we don't usually see a ton of field goal practice and I'm not really too concerned about field goal practice for Noah Ruggles, but I will be interested to see. Sometimes we get to see kickoff drills. I'll be interested to see, do they have Noah Ruggles doing those or do they have other kickers in that mix? Because I think, you know, that's kind of one of the questions, especially if Parker Lewis coming in is, you know, no Ruggles is probably going to continue to kick field goals because he did a really good job of it last year. But maybe somebody else takes over that kickoff duty because he wasn't great in that regard last year. Yeah, for sure. Those are all things we're, we're going to be looking at. And, you know, getting back to the defense as well here, you know, that, that, that's such a big thing for the Buckeyes. And, and you know, we're, we're going to talk about recruiting and everything like that and how the, the defensive performance of the Buckeyes this year kind of feeds into the recruiting and, and some of the, the trends we've been seeing on that side of things recently. You know, one of the the kind of most eye-grabbing quotes from Big Ten Media Days from Ryan Day, we touched on it last week, was, you know, his, his kind of challenge to Jim Knowles and, and the Buckeyes defensive personnel to, you know, to, to give him a, a top 10 defense in the country this year, basically saying, you know, the 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 bar is set every year for the Ohio State offense to be one of the best in the country. Why can't that be the case for the defense? And one of our listeners actually asked about that here for us to, to kind of answer and dive into asking us, you know, what, what are our actual expectations for the Buckeye defense this year? And does a, is a top 10 defense actually achievable, Dan? And it, it was a Ziploc 007 kind of gave some examples of Chris Ash coming in to fix an ineffectual 2013 defense that worked. Jeff Halfley coming in in 2019, that working kind of comparing those situations. I know that was another thing Ryan Day was asked about, kind of comparing, could this team look like the 2019 team in terms of being a well-balanced on offense and defense? What do you think, Dan? Is is a top 10, is that is that too much to bite off, you know, for Ohio State in just one offseason of trying to turn things around? Or, or do you think, you know, they can totally do it this year? Yeah, I think it's an interesting comparison, you know, bringing up 2019 and 2014 as well, because we have seen it before. I mean, a one-year turnaround isn't exactly, you know, something that is, you know, necessarily like rare or highly unusual in college football, because you do have a lot of turnover in college football every, every year, just with players graduating, players coming in, you know, players gaining experience and all that. And so I think it's possible. I mean, again, I've I, I'm not going to sit here and predict that I, Ohio State will have a top 10 defense this year because they weren't close to that the last couple of years. They still don't really have any proven stars. I mean, I think they have plenty of guys with star talent, you know, and I think if, you know, again, if you know that Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuamolowal rotation can live up to the hype. And if, you know, Steel Chambers and Ty Tommy Eichenberg can become really solid linebackers. And if, Denzel Burke can become the lockdown cornerback. He looks like he has the potential to be. And if 
you know, Ronnie Hickman and Josh Proctor can be the star safety duo that we think they can be. I mean, if I think if all the pieces can come together in a defensive scheme that I do think is going to be better positioned to utilize these guys' talent than what Kerry Combs is running for the last two years, then it's possible. I, I'm not going to predict it. I mean, to me, to me, I think, and 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 I also think it's. Ohio State doesn't necessarily need to have a top 10 defense to be a national champion. I think, to me, the more realistic goal that I look at is top 25 defense. And I think if Ohio State has a top 25 defense, it's going to have a chance because I think there's a really good chance Ohio State will have the number one offense in the country again because they have an elite quarterback, you know, elite talent wide receiver, one of the best running backs in the country. I mean, I think Ohio State could easily have the best offense in the country. And so if Ohio State is the best offense in the country, it doesn't need to have the best defense in the country. It just needs to have a better defense than what it had last year. And so, uh, you know, a top 10 defense would be great. And I think if they, if they have a top 10 defense to pair up that offense, then they're going to have a really good shot at at winning every game they play this season. But I think even with a top 25 defense, I think Ohio State will have a chance to win any game it plays. And so to me, that's the more realistic benchmark. Now, Ryan Day put that top 10 out there. So now that's what they're going to be compared to. He 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 set that bar. He put that measuring stick out there. And so if that's what they're going to be compared against, that's totally fair because Ryan Day set that expectation by making that comment. But for me, just looking at it from what I think is realistic, I start with top 25. And I do think Ohio State can get there because I do think the scheme's going to be better. And I think the fact that they're just going to have more experience with plenty of talented players, I think the pieces are going to be there for it to be a top 25 defense. And I also think that most likely, you know, you know, you mentioned like, like with Chris Ash, I mean, in 2014, I mean, that defense wasn't great early in the year. It was great at the end of the year. And so my feeling is I think the defense is going to be a lot better by November than it's going to be in that first game against Notre Dame. I mean, I think there's probably going to be some growing pains in that first game of having a new defensive coordinator, a brand new defensive scheme playing against a top 10 opponent. I think there's probably going to be some growing pains and I think people are going to have to try not to panic as soon as things go wrong in the first game, because I, I do think it's natural to expect that, you know, things are not going to be perfect right away. But, you know, I think, again, ideally, they have to be better right away than they were last year because we saw it last year. They weren't good enough on defense to win big games. So they have to be better right away. But I don't think they have to be elite right away. You know, if they can be better right away and then continue to build on that, then I think they can be good enough to have a chance to achieve all their goals. Yeah, it was another thing Ryan Day talked about, you know, in, in this whole greater discussion about the defense and, and expectations and everything is that it just has to play more consistent in general because it's not like Ohio State's defense was consistently terrible throughout the whole season last year or anything like that. It had stretches, you know, where we were like, is, is oh, is the defense suddenly fixed? And, you know, suddenly, you know, no one can run on Ohio State anymore. And and then that, that kind of fell apart at the seams from, from one week to the next. Ryan Day used the example of the Michigan State performance where the Ohio State defense looked 
you know, tremendous. And Kenneth Walker couldn't run the ball against him. And the, uh, Michigan State couldn't couldn't put up numbers on that Ohio State defense. And then the very next week, Ohio State kind of gets pushed around on both sides, you know, both both sides of the ball on the line of scrimmage. And so I think Ohio State just needs to, you know, turn in a more consistent efforts and particularly in those big games. That is kind of why it's scary, though, to play Notre Dame in, in week one if you're Ohio State. Not that people don't have a lot of confidence in that matchup, I think, from the, from the Ohio State side, but just the fact that you do have this new defensive coordinator coming in, you would imagine there's, you know, a, a period of time in which you have to work out some of those kinks with the new guy, you know, implementing what, what's been described as, as even, you know, Ronnie Hickman this past week is, a, you know, a very complex scheme. And, and to kind of have that tested right off the bat is kind of a, a scary proposition. But I think if it goes well, then I think it, it speaks volumes about what this defense is going to be capable of doing moving forward. Now welcoming in our recruiting analyst, Garrick Hodge, to the show to talk about what's been going on with Ohio State recruiting, because quite honestly, it's been a pretty rough few weeks for Ohio State recruiting as the Buckeyes have missed out on several high profile targets. You know, feels like this kind of started a few weeks ago when Tackett Curtis committed to USC. That came just a couple of days after Troy Bowles had committed to Georgia, Ohio State losing out on two of its top linebacker targets in the class. Later that week, Olas Allenen, who had been their top remaining offensive tackle target, committed to Alabama. Justice Haynes, who had been their top remaining running back target, committed to Alabama. Then last week, Caleb Downs, who had been their top remaining defensive target, committed to Alabama. John Walker, who had been one of their top remaining defensive line targets, committed to UCF. And then over a weekend, Dijon Johnson, four-star cornerback who had committed in April, I believe, he decommitted from Ohio State. And as of the time we're recording here on on Tuesday afternoon, it, it feels as though things are trending toward a decommitment for Ty Lockwood. Things could change by the time you're actually listening to this podcast, but the way things have seemed to be trending over the past few days, Ty Lockwood visited Alabama over the weekend and is it, it appears it appears that he's thinking about a potential flip to Alabama as of the time we speak. So a lot of guys there that I just named Garrick who we thought Ohio State was maybe the front runner for at one point or Ohio State was in a good position for and to see all those guys have gone elsewhere, I think is certainly led to some angst among those who follow Ohio State recruiting closely. Yeah, it's definitely been a rough few weeks. No, no doubt about that. It's one of the weirdest recruiting cycles that I can remember for a long time, because if you go back to like mid-June, it seems like Ohio State couldn't miss on a target. And now the last few weeks, it feels like they can't convert on a target. So I feel like a lot of it is, you know, the ebbs and flows of recruiting. And whereas like, you know, if you would have taken the momentum they had in June and kind of like mixed it in with the disappointment of missing on a few guys. It probably wouldn't feel quite as much like the sky is falling, but alas, all that we've had in the last three weeks are negative momentum. So clearly that's going to be the word when you log on message boards and all that. And, you know, I don't want to downplay their misses or anything about that because they've clearly struck out quite a few times on a lot of guys that they were hoping they were going to convert on. But you go all the way back to the June 24th, 26th official visit weekend. And that looks like a very unsuccessful weekend considering the targets they had on campus that weekend and how little of them they actually ended up with. And yeah, I mean, 
nothing's official yet as as of now as of recording this ty lockwood is still an ohio state commitment but he kind of made a mistake yesterday on social media when he tweeted out his official offer from Alabama. Well, it was meant to be an official offer, but instead it was a video saying that he was committed to Alabama. And that lasted online all of like three or four minutes before he deleted it and then retweeted the right one saying offer on the way from Alabama. And that's significant because August 1st is the first day in the 2023 recruiting cycle that recruits are actually allowed to get official written offers instead of just verbal offers from coaches. So yeah, certainly doesn't seem to be trending in the right direction there. And he also, as long as I can remember, had a profile picture of him in an Ohio State uniform. He has since changed that. And his bio said Ohio State football commit. And now it just, he changed it to his high school. So, you know, you don't want to read 100% everything into, you know, like a, a popular thing professional reporters do is like, they'll go, Oh, a baseball player scrubbed everything from the Cubs out of his Instagram photo. Is he getting traded or something like that? But the writing definitely seems on the wall for Ty Lockwood that he's trending elsewhere. And if so, Kevin Wilson just seems to destined (laughs) never to get his two tight end recruiting class, apparently. And maybe they'll, maybe they'll try to circle back to one of the guys that camped earlier in the summer for, Ohio State and see if they can get a second guy there that they really like, or maybe they'll just punt the two tight end class to 2024. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that, if that's what needs to end up happening. Yeah, you make the point. Go ahead, Gervin. I just want to step in there for a second and and, and ask Garrick, you know, which of these recent misses or or even, you know, the decommitments we're talking about as well, you know, is most significant for Ohio State or, or, or the one that you think Ohio State fans you know, we'll be look, looking back on it and feeling the, the worst about here. It's hard to say, but I guess my answer for that is Caleb Downs, mostly because I truly think that Ohio State thought that they had a chance to get him right up until the end. I don't know when exactly he informed Ohio State that he was choosing Alabama, but I do know that Ryan Day was optimistic about their chances of landing Caleb Downs probably an hour before his commitment and 10 minutes before he took the stage at Big Ten Media Days to hold his 15-minute presser in in front of national TV. So that one's probably the most disappointing because of how much time and effort Ohio State invested in him and how much they thought that they had a shot right up until the end. And he could have been a game-changing recruit for their defense and maybe a future captain of the Buckeye secondary. But I would say that's probably the most disappointing because, you know, both Alabama and Ohio State staffs felt very confident in that recruitment right until the end and Ohio State never wavered in their belief that they were going to somehow end up pulling off that upset but it just never materialized. You mentioned it but I mean Ohio State's had 11 commitments since June 20. I mean, they had one this past weekend with Brock Glenn, a uh, four-star quarterback from Memphis becoming Ohio State's quarterback for a recruiting class of 2023. Uh, Ohio State still ranked as the number 3 uh, team in the 24-7 sports team composite rankings for the 2023 class. So the sky isn't falling here. I mean, I know it, it, it sometimes it, it seems that way and a couple of things go the wrong way, but you know, the sky's not falling here. Ohio State still has a, a strong class in place. You know, Ryan Day was asked about it last week at Big Ten Media Days, and he said he's still confident that you know they're going to finish with a really strong class. I, I think the one thing that strikes me and, and probably strikes a lot of people is the fact that a lot of these guys we're talking about 
are going to Alabama because I, that that's what a lot of this boils down to. You know, Ryan Day was saying, you know, I'm confident we'll have a you know a top five or at least a top ten class. But you know, the people that are worried about this, they're not worried that Ohio State's not going to have a top ten recruiting class. I mean, Ohio State's going to have a top ten recruiting class. It's is Ohio State going to have a recruiting class that's good enough for Ohio State to win national championships and that starts with beating Alabama most of the time. And so I, I think that's probably the thing that's most striking about what's happened here the last few weeks. You know, you start with Justice Haynes, Olaus Allen, and, you know, Richard Young was a guy who had kind of trended away from Ohio State for a while, but there's still, there was a time where Richard Young, uh, Ohio State looked like the front runner for him. He goes to Alabama. Then we see it with Caleb Downs. Now we might see it with Ty Lockwood. You're seeing Alabama surging at the same time that Ohio State seems to be stalling. And I think that kind of amplifies the concerns people might have when the team that seems to be winning most of the battles that Ohio State is losing is the Crimson Tide. Yeah, no doubt. They're probably going to finish with the number one overall class at this point, landing Young, landing Downs, landing Olas. All those guys are probably going to propel them to and especially if they flip tie, they're definitely going to have a chance to finish number one. And I think it would at this point, Ohio state fans are just looking at Nick Saban, just wishing that that old man would retire by now, even though he's probably going to coach for another 10 years. Cause I don't know what else he's going to do, but I mean, Nick Saban's built an empire and, you know, it always seems that for Alabama, whenever they have a down year, and I, I'm putting down year in quote on in quotes because anytime they don't win a national championship is a down year for them. They always seem to, you know, I'm get, I'm going to use a Star Wars reference because Dan loves the movie Star Wars, as we all know, noted movie buff Dan Hope. The Empire Strikes Back, and they're certainly doing that in a big way. And yeah, I, I understand why Ohio State fans are frustrated because Nick Saban and his staff are insanely good at their jobs. Eric, I think the the natural next question here after we, you know, kind of get out of the, that a little bit is, you know, what does what Ohio State have to do to get back on track on the recruiting trail? And, you know, how much pressure does this put on that, that season opener for the Buckeyes against Notre Dame in terms of, you know, the, the, the massive spotlight on that game? It's obviously a nighttime game. There's going to be a lot of recruits. It's It would seem that Ohio State would need to, to regain some momentum on the recruiting trail, you know, kind of starting with that, you know, high profile game, because it's not going to be a, a great look for the Buckeyes if they go in there and, and drop that game at home. But then be, even beyond that, you know, what are some of the most important, you know, spots that Ohio State now has to fill you specifically in that 2023 class? Yeah, that, that Notre Dame weekend is definitely going to be a big one, particularly because they opted not to hold a barbecue like they typically do every year at the end of July, once the dead period gets lifted. And I think they did that and I mean, this is me speculating. Maybe we'll ask Ryan Day about it in a couple of weeks here. But I think they did that personally because the Notre Dame weekend and the would have been July weekend are about a month apart, and they don't expect you know recruits to make both of them within a month time frame. The ones that they're trying to get there, and they want every recruit to see that Notre Dame atmosphere. That's just I'm guessing where their thought process was. Was that a good idea? Was it not? I guess we'll. We won't find out for another, you know, two months or so, but that's definitely their next weekend to capitalize with probably more than 50 unofficial visitors coming to Columbus for that weekend. But before that, they have a chance to land Jaden Bonsu, four-star safety out of New Jersey, who I think is probably their 
next potential domino to fall. They're in a pretty heavy battle with Miami to try to land him. I think if he would have decided on July 20th, his original commitment date, he would have been all Miami. But I think Ohio State's kind of got some momentum back. Miami's still a strong contender and still may land Jaden in the end, but Ohio State's definitely not out of that race yet. And I think if they can land him, it's not quite going to make the blow insignificant of losing downs, but it certainly will help soften it quite a bit. Um, So that's kind of where I'm looking to see them attempt to strike next for their next 2023 prospect. And the Notre Dame weekend, obviously, it could be a big weekend for 2023 prospects, but I think that's more of a 2024 weekend with all the prospects that are going to be there from various classes. I think that they're looking to strike that weekend to implement Ohio State in the image of 2023, 2024, and even 2025 prospects. So yeah, I mean, they they certainly don't need any added pressure to win that game because the team's already going to be feeling a lot of it just from fans and national media and you know, just college football in general. But uh, there's a lot of pressure on multiple angles for Ohio State heading into that Notre Dame weekend. It does feel like they need to regain some momentum that weekend, though, in the 2020 free class. Because, I mean, I mean, in my opinion, not having some kind of recruiting event this weekend was a misstep by Ohio State. You know, and, they, you know, I, I can understand the idea of, you know, not wanting to have two, like, big weekends within, you know, a five, six-week time frame, whatever it is exactly. But, you know, you just look at what happened with Dijon and Lockwood, you know, or what could happen with Lockwood, I should say. I mean, both of them were at other schools' recruiting events this past weekend, ultimately leading to things trending away from Ohio State. So, you know, maybe it doesn't change anything if Ohio State it had an event on campus, but maybe it did. So, you know, you you can always second-guess these things. I'm just going to be interested to see, does, does this change maybe the way Ohio State approaches you know, it's on-campus recruiting events next year. Because you mentioned it too. I think, you know, there's been this conventional wisdom for a while now of wanting to get players on campus for the final weekend of official visits because that's kind of your chance to make a final impression on players before the dead period starts and a lot of guys make commitments. But it it seems like maybe that didn't work this year. Like maybe being at the end actually backfired on them because most of these guys are making their fourth or fifth official visit. And, you know, maybe they're kind of tired at that point, you know, maybe they, maybe they're not as into it as they would have been a couple of weeks earlier. And also maybe just having too many guys on campus at once, it also backfired in the sense of some of these guys weren't getting as much one-on-one attention as they would have been at other schools. And so it's just going to be interesting to see, how Ohio state maybe responds to some of what's happened over the past month and formulates its plans for how it's going to, you know, conduct recruiting events next summer. I will say that I really liked the idea of trying to get, be the last team that a lot of recruits see it just for whatever reason didn't work. And I think all the factors you hit on are very stellar points. Uh, Maybe the guys are tired, you know, A lot of times I'll call recruits and, you know, by this point they have visit fatigue right now because they've already visited four or five, six schools and they just want a break. So 
It's entirely possible, but whether that leads to a strategy for next year where they want to be the first one instead of the last one, I don't know. I'm sure Mark Pantoni and Ryan Day will talk amongst themselves and veer what if they want to change strategy for next year. And to be clear, Ohio State did land a few guys from that weekend. They did land Jason Moore, who really going into that weekend, Ohio State was not viewed as a front runner for, and Ohio State was able to land him over, you know, presumed front runner in Notre Dame. Uh, Ohio State also landed Jelani Furman out of that weekend, and there really wasn't a ton of buzz about Jelani Furman going to Ohio State before that weekend. Kay and Lee, who also committed after that weekend, he Ohio State was already the front runner for him, but you know, they were able to seal the deal with him. So it's not as if that weekend was a total loss. I mean, I think people look at, you know, Caleb Downs and Tackett Curtis and and Troy Bowles and John Walker and understandably go, man, all these guys were on campus this weekend and we didn't get those guys. So, you know, I think, you know, that gives people a, a negative impression of it. But, you know, they did land a few guys from that weekend, could still land Desmond Dumiazolu who also visited that weekend. I think he's the only guy who visited that weekend who hasn't actually made a decision yet. He scheduled a commitment for the end of this month. And so we'll see what happens there because I think right now, if if you're just going to look at the biggest needs that Ohio State needs to fill in this 2023 class, you'd have to look at the defensive front seven because right now Ohio State has no linebacker commits and only two defensive linemen in the 2023 class. Yeah, I like where they stand with Desmond. Uh, I think if I had to, if he were committing today, I think he'd pick Ohio State. So just got to keep sealing the deal up until that point. But I think they're in a really good shot, spot for Desmond. And I think missing on Tackett absolutely makes Arvell Reese a must get, which I think he's already, you know, just probably waiting five months to commit to. Ohio State, because that's what Glenville players do. They always drag it out to the last minute to kind of get as much recruiting hype as possible for their teammates. That's just kind of always been the Glenville motto. And, you know, maybe things change for Arvell when he visits other schools and all that in the fall. But but yeah, Arvell Reese is absolutely a musket now. He was already a high priority target even before Tackett went elsewhere. But now, I mean, if you're Ohio State, you absolutely have to convert on Arvell. Question from a big nut here is with the decommit of Johnson and the swing and miss on downs, what do Day and Co. need to get to get the defensive recruiting on par with the offensive recruiting? I think, you know, obviously you, you see it on the field at Ohio State right now when you're talking about, you know, how good the offense is of CJ Stroud, the defense obviously not not on the same level in some of the last couple of years here. And then on, on the recruiting trail as well, when you see what Brian Hartline's done with some of the wide receivers and then you know, juxtaposing that with the, the recent developments here, what do you think has to happen, Garrett? I think the Ohio State defense has to take a massive step or guys have to get drafted because it's very easy to sell offense right now when you can look at Brian Hartline's wide receiver production and go, Chris Olave, first round pick, Garrett Wilson, first round pick. And, you know, even Jameson, who started at Ohio State and got developed there, but finished at Alabama, first round pick, Jackson Smith and Jigba, going to be a first round pick next year. That's a very easy sell, especially when all three of those guys are on the same team last year and we're all close to a thousand yards with the exception of Olave that didn't get it, but could if he played in the Rose Bowl game. 
Whereas, you know, defense, the proof hasn't been in the pudding, as they say, in the last two years or so. And even though Jim Knowles has had a lot of success at Oklahoma State, I think they're waiting to see that transition just on the field for Ohio State. And even though Ryan Day didn't discount it and tried to downplay the whole, they have to see it work before they buy in theory, I think it absolutely holds water. And I think that if Jim Knowles can turn this around into, I mean, I know Ryan Day said he wants a top 10 defense, but I'll say even if he can get it to top 25, I think you're going to start seeing some recruiting battles on the defensive side go Ohio State's way if the production can turn around a little bit defensively. Another question from Deacon. He said, rumors are circulating that OSU recruiting may be suffering due to not offering front-end NIL dollars. If true, would they need to get more aggressive in the portal? Should portal, quote-unquote, recruits get NIL dollars up front? And we, we never really know, you know, exactly what's true and, and what's not with some of this NIL stuff. I mean, you, you hear about certain deals that turn out to not be true, certain offers that may or may not actually hold water. And so I, I always think it's kind of hard to to parse through all this with, you know, the NIL. I mean, I think it's I think it's fair to say that, you know, NIL is, is having an impact on on recruiting right now. And it's probably a reason why you know, we're seeing maybe more ebbs and flows in recruiting than we've seen in the past, because I think there's no doubt that, you know, the NIL money and, you know, what players get offered or even just what they might hear about NIL opportunities are are going to influence where guys end up. But, you know, what, what's your vantage point on it, Garrick, on, you know, do you think that, you know, this recent, you know, run of recruits not going to Ohio State, do you think NIL has had anything to do with that? I'm sure it's had at least a sliver to do with it. I can't speak, like you said, I can't speak to what other schools are or are not offering in terms of upfront money. But I do know that Ohio State is very adamant of we're not going to pay you anything before you ever step foot on the field. They are very receptive to look at the stars of this team and ask them about the NIL deals they're having right now. They are certainly not hurting and they are having almost, if not better, success with revenue in that department than any other athlete in the country. But I don't know. Yeah, that would have to be a complete recruiting philosophical change if they want to get into the business of offering cash up front for NIL deals before they start making an impact on the field. And I mean, if you, again, I don't blame the recruit that chooses the guaranteed money over that when you have, all right, well, if you go to Miami and here's a $1 million deal over four years, or you you can come to Ohio State, get developed, and if you make it big, we'll take care of you. I mean, that I, I would probably pick the Miami deal, if I'm being honest, <laughs> without an undying love of the university, which a lot of these kids don't have unless they're from Ohio. So, yeah, I, I don't think Ryan Day wants to – delve into those waters, especially because every coach in America is saying that there needs to be some sort of legislation and relegation and guardrails to prevent this sort of thing from happening. And it's hard to know who exactly is offering what, but I mean, I think it would be naive to say that NIL is not having any influence on some of these kids' decision for sure. Garrick, where do you think that this 2023 class is ultimately going to end up in the rankings. You mentioned that you thought 
Alabama will finish with a number one class. Where do you think this Ohio State class is ultimately going to end up? Hmm. I'll say four or five. I see. I think that seems pretty safe. Griffin, you got anything else for our new 30 year old over here? Yeah. Thanks guys. I'll, I'll wish him a happy birthday and I'll think about getting him a gift, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that, well, if you have to still think about it and the day's been passed and <laughs> you ain't going to do it, it's all right. Damn. Garrett, thanks for thinking of me anyway. out there. <laughs> Well, Garrick, we do we do wish you a happy birthday. Garrick just had his birthday on Monday, so we do wish you a a happy birthday. The elder statesman of our trio for for a few months before I join you in the thirty year old club. So we thank you for for taking some time out of your your birthday week to join us here on Real Pod Wednesdays. And I'm sure with that big Notre Dame weekend coming up, I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point in the near future. Awesome, can't wait. Well, Griffin, obviously football is on a lot of people's minds right now with preseason camp about to begin, but it's also a big week for the Ohio State basketball team as uh, the Buckeyes are headed to the Bahamas to play their two exhibition games against the Egyptian and Puerto Rican national teams. And we got our first chance to actually see the new basketball roster on the floor together for about 20 minutes of practice on Monday. And I I think if we're going to be realistic, it's kind of like when we're going to be back here next week talking about the practice availabilities for football that we we may not see that much that's really actually groundbreaking from those, those football practices. And I think it would be fair to say that was the case from what we saw from a basketball team on Monday. The team did have a scrimmage, but it looked like guys like Aaron Kraft and Jared Sellinger came back to scrimmage against the current Buckeyes. Unfortunately, we weren't allowed to watch that part of practice. We just kind of saw them uh, warming up, doing some, you know, shooting drills and and stuff like that. And so I think it'd be hard to say that we really learned too much about the 2022-23 Ohio State basketball team from what we saw. But Griffin, I mean, you, I mean, you've seen some of these guys at Kingdom League. You know, you were now back in the building on Monday to watch a little bit of practice. Just anything that you took away from that? Well, yeah, first of all, it was almost like a, a going to the first, you know, football practice of the, you know, of, of camp or spring, spring camp or, you know, whatever preseason camp in that there was there was a kind of a lot to to try to take in. Not in that we saw them doing all that much, but just in terms of the all the new faces out there, which is what makes this team so interesting. The fact that there's. 10 new guys total occupying roster spots of one kind or another, eight new scholarship players, five freshmen, three transfer portal additions. So you're kind of, your head's kind of like spinning around, especially when I know when they were doing some of the full court stuff and they were, you know, running up and down the court, you're kind of like, Oh wow. There's, there's Roddy Gale over there. You know, we haven't heard a lot about him this off season because he's, I think he's dealt with some injury issues, didn't play in the kingdom league. And then, and then you're looking around though. There's, there's Isaac likely, you know, there's Bruce Thornton. There's a lot of, a lot of new faces. And it's a very interesting mix. I think in terms of like tangible takeaways from that actual practice, not a whole lot other than to say we got to see Justice Suing and Seth Towns running around out there. Those are two guys, obviously, that combined to play two games of last season in total, both as six-year forwards for the Buckeyes. Chris Holtman saying that both guys are still somewhat limited in what they can do, but they're practicing in some capacity. I mean, I didn't see either of those guys like seem labored in their movement at all, but obviously they weren't doing any 
you know, full contact kind of stuff out there. Neither of those guys will play in the Bahamas though, against the Egyptian and Puerto Rican national teams, as you mentioned there, which, you know, I think some, some Buckeye fans are going to kind of be like, man, those guys are still, they're still out. Like, even though, you know, Seth Towns originally last year, if you, his original timeline after having a, a, a back surgery in like September, I think it was, he was planning on being back in like December for Ohio state ended up not playing at all the entire season. And now he's still, you know, limited and not, not playing in these exhibitions for justice suing. We heard all along kind of all season that like, no suing, like we, we do expect him to come back. Even if it's late in the season, we like, we would still love to have him didn't end up playing after those first two games that he appeared in. And now, you know, he's, I guess he's still working through stuff as well with that kind of hernia abdomen issue there with him. I did think he it's suing definitely looked like he'd been hitting the weight room because man, he, he did look very big out there for sure. I thought Zed key, I think he he's kind of undergone a, a several year physical transformation at this point. He seemed to be as, as trim and fit as I've ever seen him before. It was, it was, you know, interesting hearing Chris Holtman kind of cracking on Zed keys three point shooting this off season, which is something that he's been working on. He was knocking him down in warmups though. I think Chris Holtman, Chris Holtman said that, you know, he's shooting them and, and a couple of them are going in in practice, but you know, when he was just lining them up, stationary kind of in, in shooting drills, he certainly seemed to be knocking them down, but yeah, Dan, any, anything that, that you took away other than what I just talked about? Yeah. I mean, Chris Holtman was saying on Monday that, you know, he's, he's been messing up the names a few times. And that's kind of how I felt as I was out there watching. I was kind of going, who's this guy? Oh yeah. That's Bruce Borton. Oh yeah. That's Roddy Gale. Oh yeah. That's Sean McNeil. Like there, there's just so many new faces out there that, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm taking photos and just some of the guys I kind of had to like, ask myself like who is this guy because there's just so so many unfamiliar faces out there so it's going to take some time to really get to to know this team and and know who each of the guys are and and know what you know the strengths and weaknesses are of each of their games but that's why I wanted to be there on Monday just to see those guys in person for the first time because you know other than the guys who are back from last year which is only five guys uh three of whom didn't play last year. You know, everybody else is 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 brand new to me in the sense of actually seeing them on a basketball court in person. Yeah, if if Garrick would have come, he would have been able to see. You know, Justice Suing and Seth Towns. You kind of joked that that Garrett. You know, he he obviously takes pictures and everything like that for us at games. That he, he's heard all about those two guys, but he doesn't actually like. They might as well be a myth to him because he he went a whole season without really even seeing those guys play. Obviously, Kalen Etzler as well. It's kind of easily easy to forget about him just because. Obviously, he took a red shirt last season, didn't actually play. And he's a guy, can he factor into things as well? Would have been cool to see some 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 scrimmage action and things like that. I remember last year, Dan, we, we did get to see one of those preseason practices. And, they, and they, those guys were going five on five at that time. Maybe we will get to see something like that a little closer to the season. But again, like it goes back to the, the, the exhibition games not being televised or streamed or anything like that, too. It's like, I think with, with the team that's this fresh, with so many new pieces and kind of having to experiment with lineups and things like that. I'm sure that Chris Holman does not feel like this is the finished product for him right now. They're going to need more time to kind of gel. You know, he's, he's even saying like, yeah, the Bahamas trip is good because these guys are still trying to get, get to know each other. I mean, they've only all been on campus together the last two months, you know, since like summer training and all that started at the beginning of June. So you know, these guys have a lot, a long way to go. I would certainly imagine Still going to get to some some taking used to for us to to just kind of you know recognize these guys and 
and how they play and how they fit together and everything like that. And I'm sure, you know, obviously there's a, a more involved process uh, with that for them, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we will not be able to watch those games that are happening in the Bahamas because they will not be streamed, which I think is by design, because I think there's probably things that Chris Altman doesn't want the world to see from those games. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure some stuff will will leak out, at least in terms of, you know, how they played and, you know, maybe, you know, who, you know, who scored a lot of points and and, and all that. I mean, what are the things, Griffin, that you're going to be hoping to learn from those two games? Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to see what the, if there's some kind of box score of some kind, I know like, you know, Adam Jardy from the dispatch will be in the Bahamas for that game. You know, I'm not sure what all he'll be able to glean or, or if they'll, be keeping a box score of some kind, maybe the just Ohio state, you know, the, the coaches will to kind of have that, you know, behind the scenes, but will, will, you know, Jardy or somebody have access to that or keep something of their own see, you know, uh, can, does, is Bryce Sensabaugh going to go out there and put up 30 points or something like that? I, we, we've, we've heard all about his scoring ability, seen it in person at the kingdom league, you know, just to see. And also even like what the, what the starting lineup is for those games. I think, you know, the Chris Holman said they'll experiment with that as well. And, Obviously, if, if Justice Suing is is not playing in that, you would think if he is healthy and cleared by September, as Chris Holman said he would be, that he would certainly be a starter for the Buckeyes, you know, by by, by November when the season starts. But those are a couple of things I'm interested to see, just how the freshmen perform and, you know, what the starting lineups are. Griffin wasn't quite able to talk his way into going to the Bahamas, but I think I think we are going to have to go to Maui to celebrate our birthday with a 9 p.m tip-off against San Diego State. For those of you who don't know, Griffin and I actually share the same birthday, and they just announced that on that date is when Ohio State will play its first game of the Maui Invitational on November 21 against San Diego State, which will be a 4 p.m. local tip-off, but a 9 p.m. Eastern time zone tip-off. Chris Holtman held a press conference on Monday as well, the first time we've had an opportunity to talk to him in a while. Anything that you heard from him, Griffin, that, you know, really caught your eye? I mean, okay. So one thing was he was kind of asked about the leaders on the team, right? And and that's a kind of a big thing because there's only so many returning guys and, you know, some of them don't have a a ton of experience. I'm talking to Zed key at the kingdom league. We were, I was asking him about that specifically. And he was like, yeah, it's super weird because last year I was still, considered myself, you know, one of the young bucks, one of the, you know, fresh faces and stuff like that. And suddenly he's been tabbed by Chris Holtman. He told us that he wants him to be, you know, a a leader for the team. But I think that's, that's becoming a natural role for him because we heard from a guy like Bowen Hardman at at Kingdom League as well. And he said that Zed Key has kind of been the face, the leader. I think Justice Suing is another guy for sure, because he's been around for so long, right? But he only has played, actually played one of the last three seasons that he's been at Ohio State. So, you know, in terms of experience and, and being on the floor last year, you know, he wasn't. And uh, I think he's he's probably a, a bit more of a reserved guy than, than a Zed Key as well, perhaps. I, I, I think it was telling, though, and I, I said this to you after the press conference, that, you know, I, it didn't seem like a great sign for Eugene Brown that he was because Holman was asked specifically about Key and Brown in terms of leaders, returning players that were actually on the floor last year. And then Holman didn't didn't talk about him in the context of being a leader. He said, you know, we're going to kind of lean on Zed and Justice. Eugene Brown has has some kind of injury issue he's working through as well because they said he would be on a minutes restriction in the exhibition games. 
And so, yeah, you kind of wonder what his role is going to be because, you know, bringing in so many new guys are the, are the freshmen going to kind of eat into his minutes as a, as a guy on the wing, you asked Chris Holtman about, you know, how guard oriented this lineup is. Does a guy like Eugene Brown who ended last year as a starter, but didn't really have a, a real breakthrough, especially offensively for the Buckeyes. What is his role going to look like considering all the other talent Ohio State's brought in? Yeah, it, it is going to be, it is going to be interesting just to see, you know, all the, all these different roles. And I mean, it is interesting. I mean, you mentioned it, that, you know, a guy they're counting on to be a leader is a guy who, didn't really play at all last year and, and, and just as suing. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this roster all comes together. You know, I was interested to ask uh, Chris Holtman as well, kind of about the, the guard heavy construction of the roster and uh, whether that was by intent based on what we've seen in March and the NCAA tournament over recent years. And he, he did acknowledge that, you know, that's something that they do pay attention to, although he did also want it to be known that uh, Ohio State will have three centers on its roster next year because he knows that will make some people happy since there has been some angst from fans about the lack of true centers on the roster. So that will be coming. But for this year, it, it's more of a guard heavy wing heavy lineup. And, you know, to me, I think that might actually be a, a beneficial thing in terms of Ohio State's chances of winning in March and probably talk more, write more about that at some point. Chris Holtman also gave a shout out to, to CJ Stroud as he was finishing up his press conference. We talked last week about CJ Stroud's challenge to the basketball team, thinking that a group of football players could beat the basketball team in five on five. We saw Zed Key, Eugene Brown, some other basketball players respond to that on Twitter. And, and Chris Holtman's response was, we have the most confident QB1 in the country, and I love that. So we no direct response to whether a, a game between football players and basketball players will actually happen. I think it's safe to say with camp starting on Thursday, that that game's probably not going to happen anytime soon. But everybody having a little fun with it, Chris Holtman included. We know Chris Holtman's a big football fan, and so I'm sure he he got a kick out of that. Could also be a huge week for the Buckeye basketball team in recruiting. We, we talked about some of the issues that are going on in football recruiting. And actually, as, right now, as we're finishing up recording this, Ty Lockwood did just decommit from Ohio State and flip to Alabama. So we anticipated that would be that would be coming. It, it, it's developing here in real time as we're recording this podcast. But could be some better news coming for the Buckeyes in recruiting this week. Two of their top remaining targets in the 2023 class, Devin Royal from Pickerington Central will announce his commitment on Wednesday. And then another top 100 wing, Scotty Middleton from Kansas, will announce his commitment on Saturday. And it feels like Ohio State's got a good shot here. Griffin, do you think the Buckeyes are going to go two for two and land both those guys this week? Well, Dan, yes, yes, I do. I think Ohio State is going to land Scotty Middleton and Devin Royal this week. And that is a, that's a huge thing for the Buckeyes. They have not had a high school recruit commit since February, which was Austin Park's four-star Ohio native 6'10", 6'11", center for the Buckeyes coming in in that class. They already had George Washington the third, a four-star combo guard, top, I think, top 60 range there for him overall. I think Parks maybe like top 105, something like that. These guys are both going to be top 75 over, you know, prospects in that class. 
Middleton in particular is a top 50 guy, a top you know 35 guy. I think he's number 34 in the country. They're both listed at small forward, but those guys are would play together on the court for sure. I think Ohio State is viewing Scotty Middleton as a guy that can p- potentially play like even point guard if they need like if they need him to potentially a two guard as well. I'm a guy that has a lot of versatility. He's considered one of the best defenders in that recruiting class. Devin Royal, a guy more more started started his high school career as more of like an interior post presence, you know, because he's a big body, of course, for that that level at six six. But this I've I've gotten a chance to watch him multiple times over the summer, and he's really transitioned to more of a a true wing because I think that's kind of what his role is going to be at the next level, given that he is six six. You know, he's not six nine or something like that, like you'd want you know a, a true like interior presence to be. And he's you know he, he can hit threes. I've seen him. You know, at, the, at Ohio State's high school camp, he was handling the ball uh, as well. Those are guys that Ohio State's been targeting for a very long time. I've talked to both of them in the past. You know, I'll be at Pick Central on Wednesday to cover the Devin Royal announcement. And I do think that Ohio State will land both of those prospects. Well, you may or may not have already, uh, we may not, we may or may not already know whether Devin Royal is committed to Ohio State by the time you're listening to this podcast, but no shortage of things happening in Ohio State sports right now. Football camp again, starting on Thursday. We'll be covering every media availability, everything that happens in camp at 11warriors.com. So please keep up with us there. Lots of coverage coming your way. And we'll be back here next week. On, on Real Pod Wednesdays to talk about everything that's happening, both with the football team during the first week of preseason camp, as well as the basketball team with its trip to the Bahamas and two new members of the team coming in 2023. So hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll talk to you again next week.